Hey everybody, Zach here. Just want to pop in and let you know that we're going to be off next week for the first week of July. But don't worry, we're going to be back the next week after that. And I uh, hope you enjoy this episode. Thanks for listening. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Shitty Christians. I'm your host, Zachary Allard. I'm Michael Tabor. And I'm pretty excited. We've got a very special episode for, for all of you today. We have our first guest from Twitter. We have Fredo Fabrucci, leftist Twitter's sort of friendly uncle. Everyone's favorite small account. That's right. Although I have to say, like, <laughs> you have over a like, you have a lot more followers than you used to, Fredo. Okay, well, well that's not really a fair comparison because <laughs> we're so tiny. As I have repeatedly explained, uh, both on Twitter and elsewhere, the <laughs> barometer for what constitutes a small account is actually anyone that has more followers than me. So, however many followers I get, that's the limit for a small account. Mm, you know, wisdom, wisdom being shared. <laughs> I mean, I am the. Sagacious Fredo Fabrucci of Twitter.com. That is it, very true. The, uh, the morality uh, barometer. You're not wrong. In my head, like, anybody I see that's shorter than me is short, and anybody taller than me is tall. So I, I get it. So you meet a lot of tall people. <laughs> yeah, I meet yeah. so many tall people. If, if I went by that rule, everybody, like 90% of people are tall because, you know, as an Italian guy, I'm predictably short. So. Yeah, and if I went by that rule, everyone would be skinny. <laughs> <laughs> so Fredo, uh, why, <laughs> why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Uh, you're our first leftist Twitter guest. You don't come from evangelical Christian culture. Tell us I a don't. Bit, tell us a little bit about yourself. Thank God. Yeah, okay. we've been waiting <laughs> well, for you for months. Don't be. Well, all right. I mean, I'll 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 try to I'll try to live up to this expectation. Uh, and, and I can't. You know, I don't want to ruin the mystique of the uh, of the of the Fredo Twitter gimmick. And we'll get we'll get into gimmicks in a, in a little bit, Zach, and explain what that is, brother. Oh, I'm uh, I'm, I'm very excited. I assume. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, my uh, I, I am an Italian guy, uh, so my sort of experience with okay so you're a poc uh yes uh, yes i am uh because according to there was a, a survey and i guess <laughs> the way the survey landed uh which i assume ironically is that italians are poc but you know sure that's part of the gimmick you know i and just i want to make it very clear to anyone listening that i i don't actually believe that and i and i am not like hijacking the experience of you know uh black and brown people who are tremendously suffering in this country right now. So I want to make that perfectly clear. Let's get uh, that out, out front before Fredo pitches his Jersey Shore reboot. Yeah, I'm canceled <laughs> three minutes into the episode. <laughs> uh, so, um, you know, my my experience, uh, my, so my, my parents were both uh, born and raised in Italy. I mean, I grew up mm-hmm. um, speaking English as a as a second language. Oh wow! Uh, didn't do a lot of favors for me as uh, as, as a little Fredo there. Oh. Um, but we, uh, you know, we predictably, you know, being from Italy, uh, Sicily specifically, uh, grew up uh, Catholic, so not uh, mm. evangelical. 
And I did go to Catholic school. I, I went to Catholic school actually all through uh, grade school, high school, and college. Oh, wow. Uh, but... <laughs> but the the difference, at least from you know what I what I've heard of your guys's show, uh, and you know other sources, other folks, uh, you know either on the left or otherwise, I talk to even evangelical folks, um, pretty pretty radically different. So a lot of the the horror stories that I would hear uh, mm. about religious schools not wanting to teach evolution and and talking about how being gay is wrong and all this sort of stuff. I mean, may, maybe it's because it was Catholic school. Maybe it's because I, I went to a Catholic school in like a blue city, so it was less um, conservative. But I, I never really dealt with that stuff. So I remember, you know, when I was a teenager, people talking about religious schools, it was, you know, I was a lot more ignorant back then, a hundred years ago. And it was like, <laughs> I don't see what the big deal is. I go to a religious school and really the only thing is that you, you've got a religion class. And even then, a lot of the religion classes I had were very, like, pragmatic. You know, they kind of, they talked more about, like, the sociological stuff behind what's in the Bible. Look, and you I found bought it... an indulgence here or there. It was business. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I mean, that is, that is a thing we talked about um you know so it was never I, I don't know maybe i'm just lucky maybe i'm i'm the exception i mean i'm i'm not uh you know i'm not a religious guy uh or anything today and i'm, I'm, I'm not canceled. one of those like <laughs> I'm, well, I, I'm not one of those like smug reddit atheist guys or anything but you know it was just it was always interesting for me to hear about what school was like you know religious school was like in america for other people because my, my experience was Nowhere near as as like wacky and wild, and you know, uh, dinosaur bones were planted by Satan to make us believe that the, the world is older than it actually is. You know, all, hey, all that, that, kind that of... that's just, that that is a that is true. This yeah, is a hard come science on, podcast. Come on. Okay. Uh huh. What is an evolution? Please ex- <laughs> please help. You know, I mean, it would it would make sense that Satan, uh, hail Satan, by the way, yeah. uh, could fool <laughs> carbon dating. You know, with all of his like cool Satan magic. So I mean, I, it does make sense. I like the idea that like you're the prince of darkness and you're like you know what i should do <laughs> yeah it's like, no, a good use of my limited time <laughs> carbon dating <laughs> yeah a, a, a lot of it doesn't you know a lot of it doesn't really make a lot of sense and i mean so one, one of the things that i found so interesting about your show in the first place was one of mm-hmm. these things that i always kind of grappled with that like i don't understand why more christians are not leftists because any, you know, just about any interpretation of the New Testament, at least, you know, any of these stories about Jesus or, you know, 90% of them uh, would lead one to believe, right? Like, well, you shouldn't be rich. You should only help other people. You should give up your possessions. You know, capitalism is be- famously the the only time <laughs> Jesus ever got mad, including when his best friend stabbed him in the back and sentenced him to murder, was at <laughs> capitalism. But, so- but somehow... John 3, where Jesus calls out Elon Musk. <laughs> Yeah, so it, it it was always like bewildering to me that you have these like religious people that are these like you know so, some elements. I mean, I guess some of the abortion thing or whatever. I guess makes some sense in the context of no. the Bible. But Boo. Most of Boo. It, this is this is a decidedly pro-choice podcast. <laughs> no, 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 I'm completely. I mean, I'm completely with you. But that's at least an area where I can get somebody reading the Bible and like coming away with this mm. interpretation that it's like morally not. Even though I mean, your episode on it was fantastic, by the way. Um, but th- that one, at least, I could like see why you'd make the argument. But totally, like, totally, yeah. I don't know where you get the argument argument of like 
prosperity gospel or it's okay for me to be rich and to actively work towards suppressing the wages of poor people. Like <laughs> all of that is like the exact opposite of what they talk about in the Bibles or again, at least the new Testament, the old Testament has a lot of, you know, funny other stuff going on. And we could talk about that too, I guess, but it, it's very odd. So, you know, I think it, you're, hitting yeah, the, go ahead. You, you're hitting on the fundamental question of this podcast in a way. And because we have, you know, we grew up somewhat differently than you in the bosom of right-wing evangelical America. <laughs> yeah, so good we, times. Yeah. So we have spent... <laughs> Such good times. So good. We've spent more or less our entire adult life trying to unravel and deprogram ourselves and others. Yeah, if you've ever uh, seen somebody try to get a tattoo covered up, that's basically our whole life. It's just <laughs> trying to cover up the tattoos on our soul. <laughs> but, like, honestly, though, it's true, though. And I think you bring up, like, kind of fundamental, like, question. Cause it, and it's, it, and I mean, it ricochets somewhat predictably through both Protestant and Catholic histories, for the most part. There's some exceptions mm-hmm. to that. There are, like sprinklings in the catholic and protestant traditions of leftists but like why is it not a dominant position or a more common one like i think it's far more common with like my jewish friends to be like leftists than it is for christians yeah i mean that that i don't that would be an interesting to dig into of like religious you know what's what are the religions of of uh of leftists but like it doesn't make the the most i mean the most kind of conservative possible interpretation of of jesus in terms of like i don't Mm -hmm. know economic beliefs or whatever would be that he's like a socialist right i mean because I would read it as, like, he's a straight-up communist. I mean, he did literally live in, like, a commune with his bros that all, like, just gave stuff up and supported each other. And, uh, you know. Dude, they, dude they make did, it in a... fact, rock. He turned yeah, water into wine it. and well, died at 33, so he must have been a communist. And ladies, you know, <laughs> and ladies rock, too. Because, you know, they yeah. they also make it a point, you know, the whole him hanging out with the dregs of society. That's and you right. know. Uh, Mary Magdalene being pointed out. Sex you know, in the work Bible. is work. <laughs> right, right. But like, I think, you know, her, her placement, right, is very much a deliberate thing because in mm. that culture, as as they, they harp on a lot in the Old Testament, that that's like, oh, the worst thing you could be is a prostitute. Uh, and, and that's a whole... That's a whole very interesting thing, too, because I think that is rooted or at least, you know, the way I learned it in my comparatively progressive schools is that a lot of the like negativity in the Old Testament towards like homosexuality and sex work and and basically anything but your traditional, you know, Christian marriage uh, is that it was rooted in like cultural differences and cultural grievances because a lot of the societies that you know the ancient hebrews were feuding with like the ancient romans or the greeks before that or whatever had Mm. considerably more by today's standards progressive attitudes towards sexuality and lo and behold you know suddenly when the when the word of god comes down somehow it's like everything that is the way these people do it is bad and wrong and a sin uh, and everything that's the way we do it is the way god wants us to do it it's funny how that worked out (laughs) probably a coincidence it was really weird when Jesus came down and said, "Blue lives matter." <laughs> <laughs> support the cops, no matter what. Um, yeah, no support. Don't, centur- don't centurion lives matter. Yeah, <laughs> all you, centurions see, are brothers. If, if you see a poor person, you know, kick them while they're down. You know, all that stuff. Like you know, Mary Magdalene and him hanging out with the lepers. I mean, they, that was specifically a like tax thing, collectors. They, 
the yeah. tax collection. I love that you're actually getting more theological than we generally do on this podcast. Yeah, this is good. I hey, love man, it. I taught Catholic school for God, 17 years. Something. Yeah. No, it, it's it's beautiful because uh, I actually had this conversation with my mother today, <laughs> like literally today. She's like, "So do you also see the Italian. world?" <laughs> <laughs> oh, there we true, go. True story. Right, good stuff. Yeah. Uh, she was like, "Do you see the world more for, through a Christian lens or a socialist lens?" And I I actually thought that was a good question. <laughs> it is. Yeah, and how I was do like, you even uh, separate those? <laughs> exactly. That's what I told her. I was like, honestly. What would Jesus do? He'd be a socialist, right? I, absolutely. I don't understand. Like, if he was uh, alive he was still today, left of Marx. Like... <laughs> <laughs> Jesus giving the Sermon on the Mount with a Bernie Sanders sign strapped to his chest. Uh, I told her, I was like, hey, listen, like, ultimately, my faith informs everything, but specifically, Socialism is how I understand the world. Socialism has given me the tools to like understand what things really are. And uh, the idea that like these things are somehow separated or especially somehow in conflict was, I was like, these things actually fit together really well. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, it doesn't, I, I mean, the aspect of it that I guess quote makes sense to me is, you know, we, we've had this sort of, uh, conservative uh influence on culture and the news and and the the sort of modern church and uh the the way you know the way you learn things growing up in in the church in america so i i can see um where that influence comes from from a lot of folks but i i would guess that if your average person just read through the bible completely divorced of, of all of that cultural impact right like you had somebody mm -hmm. living in like plato's cave or whatever but they somehow <laughs> knew how to read and you gave them a bible they, their understanding coming away with it i would imagine would be pretty consistent with like you know the ideals of jesus would line up pretty well with the ideals of like marx you know yeah i mean <laughs> marx was a christian we all agree yeah. <laughs> Gays are okay, but tattoos kind of suck <laughs> the Jesus way. <laughs> you know, I think, I don't know how deep we want to get on this, but like the answer I think is actually goes, it's, it's, it is the Italians. It goes actually oh, back. <laughs> that's right yeah. here we go canceling all the time no it goes, yeah. i mean honestly as usual you know the most downtrodden oppressed minority <laughs> on twitter <laughs> on twitter maybe but <laughs> that, that might actually be yeah, yeah, yeah the one place uh but i i mean honestly i think it goes back to it actually does go back to constantine wedding christianity to the roman empire mm -hmm. and then protestants sort of change some of that but not really because they still wed christianity to the state in a lot of places and then by and large to uh sectors of power and commerce you know christianity went from like a thing some people in the middle east some french folks in the middle east believed to more or less like the the state religion of europe and, yeah and, and i mean it's more or less sort of not that now but arguably still is like i think what you get in christianity post 400 is not the same thing as what christianity was before that and that is like a really nerdy as shit answer no no but i i think <laughs> okay. i think you're right on and i agree with you because I, I i think at the end of the day there's there's a handful of significant external influence okay like if if you're not a mm -hmm. literalist right and and you don't right. believe that uh you know 
Jesus hit a man with holy fire to make him read out the uh, write out the the words of it. Don't worry, uh, one... we're censoring all of this, so go on. <laughs> right, yeah, so, yeah, just beep and and uh, Jesus beep. Uh, and you know one of those is like those cultural conflicts and stuff you know uh hanging out like the philistines even though the philistines were like a way more progressive and advanced culture and so tall so tall extremely tall and ripped and and hot you know i mean just a a nation of of brad pitts those motherfuckers (laughs) but but i think another one right like i think back to the there are a lot of stories and rules in the bible that that it seems to me fairly obvious that they were snuck in there as a way of preserving the power of the wealthy and powerful um mm-hmm. a, a, against other people and, and keeping the poor poor and keeping them content with being poor you know a, a lot of the the sort of weirdly obscure things that all the people that harp on about like homosexuality never seem to mention like that you you can't have like two different animals tied to the same plow like a lot of those rules <laughs> hey i never tried two different animals the same plow fredo and or, i can't uh, believe you would uh, imply po- that polyester yeah. bla- right like uh shirts and stuff that are made out of more than one material and like or the uh, forgive all debt every seven years yeah, for- <laughs> oops oops <laughs> yeah uh so I think that interpretation absolutely makes sense. And I mean, you know, I'm not, I'm not like one of these, um, Christian scholars that's actually looked at like, well, what was the literal text in, in 200 AD versus 800 AD. But I would posit a guess that there were like some changes either through translations or whatever that, that brought some of those, uh, passages about preserving power and wealth to the forefront. Like the, the parable of the guy that works in the fields all day mm. and he gets paid the same amount as the guy that, and, that shows up right before. And the lesson is supposed to be like, you should be happy with that, you entitled millennials. You know, it's just very <laughs> bizarre. He gets the same piece of avocado toast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's this very bizarre story about like one man's clear exploitation <laughs> of labor. and Pretty much any time there's a discrepancy in the Bible between... Uh, how we interpret language and things that only make sense when literalism is applied. uh, Those things are always in pursuit of justifying capital and labor conditions. Yeah. Yeah, I I completely agree with you. Like Chapo has a bit and and it's half true, but it it speaks a little bit to their narrowness that like American Protestantism is a whole new religion. But I actually think pretty much from the time Christianity got wedded to Rome, it was already just like a whole different thing our own lives have been kind of deprogramming ourselves from that. Like, how do you come to religion? Can you, and can you come to religion separate from the sort of milieu of like being top dog in a like colonial settler state? Yeah. I, I, I think, I think that's probably right on again. I'm, uh, you know, I'm, I'm no expert on it, but I, Hey, that's I never would stopped be... us before. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, sure. That is clearly I mean, not I, the I would standard. not be at all surprised if that, uh, turned out to be the case. So yeah, it's, <laughs> It's an interesting thing, and I'm really glad that there is at least some stuff out there like you guys. It it shocks me that there's not more, but I I do think that this idea that, like... um christianity and leftism or these like diametrically opposed forces is ridiculous and it doesn't make any sense to me absolutely i'm very grateful that there are people smarter than us that are also (laughs) doing this like the magnificast or faith and capital but we're happy to throw our hat into the ring and do it really poorly (laughs) (laughs) i have a question and maybe there's nothing here do you have we've never your first cultural or ethnic catholic (laughs) i would say that we have had on the podcast getting canceled yeah yeah (laughs) 
She's very Do you have any fun Catholic stories or anecdotes from your life as a Sicilian Catholic American? Yeah, I, I well, fun is a weird. Is a weird it. I'm you know, sorry one, if I've caused a trigger warning no, for no, any no, of our listeners. <laughs> one of the things, one of the things that I find um, funny is maybe not the right word, but odd about Catholics compared to like mm-hmm. uh, American evangelicals is that we're like more strict and less strict at the same time. Okay, uh, if that makes it like when it comes to certain things, Catholic people. My impression, right? I mean, I I grew up in in that culture, so I don't know Mm. for sure. But I get the impression from talking to people that grew up in, like, the evangelical culture that Catholics take stuff like Lent a lot more seriously. Like, not eating meat on Fridays during Lent. Like, did you guys do that growing up? Okay, so most Protestant churches don't even celebrate Lent. Lent Right, okay. Lent has become hipster cool now. Yeah. So, like, Lent is, like, a thing that, like, randomly weird Protestants will, like, get into for no reason. Yeah. Oh, right. yeah. This so, is true. And they'll be like, I'm giving up social media for Lent. And I'm like, oh, I'm giving up nice. being friends with you for Lent. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I did grow up, you know, good Catholic boy. I did grow mm. up doing that. And, and it was uh, and it was pretty uh, pretty brutal at times. I do remember one year I'd given up, like, chocolate for Lent. Which oh, God. In, in retrospect, <laughs> yeah, big big mistake. The the sort of pomp and circumstance around Lent and, and giving stuff up and outings and, and church things during Lent. Like, we... We would end up at like a lot of super long masses and especially my family because my family, uh, I I think they had this idea of, oh, it would be nice that instead of going to just Italian mass, we'll go to English mass so that, you know, (laughs) you're you're able to, you know, you're able to get, I mean, I I, I do speak Italian, but like church Italian is, is, you know, harder uh, I love so, this conversation so, so they would, So they would, I remember for a year, and I would like fight them on this, like back when my family went, my family actually stopped going to church and, and taking religion as seriously, which I think is Thank is good goodness. For them. Yeah, thank goodness. But we would go to this mass a few times for like Easter and stuff that mm. was like both. So oh, it was no. like this double length, like three, four hour mass because they would do everything twice oh, in no. Italian and then again in English. So it was like, tor- you know, imagine being like eight years old in this like oh, stuffy God. church, stuff being screamed at you in two languages. If you move, you get, you know, your ear squeezed or something. I mean, it was, yeah, yeah it was tough. You got caned. Uh, now, three you to four caned. hours is your average average Baptist uh, like sermon length, but still, that sounds like a lot when it's in two. Yeah, languages. I do. I do hear about the but our but you know Catholic Church is like boring though. The Baptist Church at least <laughs> it sounds like they get you know uh, they get a little more into the songs and stuff. And at least we have some as... hellfire and brimstone. Yeah, you get some fire and brimstone. You know. Uh, yeah, when you oh, take anyway, it literally, anecdote, it's a lot more entertaining. <laughs> it, it, it seems like it would be. But uh, the, the anecdote before uh, I get too sidetracked is that someone listening, well, what about Fredo's chocolate story? Uh, it was one that's year I gave up Lent for chocolate and like 30 days or something into Lent, I abs- I'm sitting there watching TV and I just absentmindedly take like a bite of a Kit Kat that was like sitting in the <laughs> Oh, so you're going to, to hell. Dude, I was like distraught, <laughs> just weeping. Oh, like, oh no, you know, just... So beating myself up, like so sad. Yeah, you're done. Kit Kat. Capitalism in the end sent you to hell, just like it will all of us. Well, that's true. That's I mean, if hell exists, that's absolutely, you know. And it was it was a lot of it was a lot of stuff like that. I used to take that stuff so seriously as a kid. I I also remember that that same year, uh, we got like some peeps, you know, those little marshmallow peeps candies. 
and I, I look at like the eye. It has like those little eyes printed on it. And I was like, is this chocolate? You know, to like my mom, I was like, is this chocolate? Because oh, no. then I, I don't want to eat the eyes because oh, they're chocolate. If I microwave it, will Jesus not care anymore? Oh, oh god. Yeah, I mean, in retrospect, so stupid fr- now, you know, imagining that like, oh, well, uh, in, my, in my big book of Lent grievances, I see here that Fredo took a bite of chocolate on the 37th day of Lent, so he is done for. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, sir, that is in fact true. Oh, that's so sad. Uh, for us, at least for, I'll speak for myself before I launch into this very, this specific story. It was a little bit less about those kinds of rules and more about like, have you been looking at tits online though? Have you been jerking off? Yeah, how long did you stare in the grocery uh, checkout aisle at the fitness magazine? Yeah, the US Weekly with the bikini babe on the cover. Sure, hey, sure. Hey, that's the us. Us weekly. weekly. Yeah, <laughs> I wasn't gonna. I wasn't gonna make that correction, but yeah. <laughs> now that that is that is really funny, and I and I do think that that's a cultural difference, is because you know, save save for me, I'm I'm very famously never horny. Uh, but it's <laughs> I appreciate that on Twitter. My honestly, Fredo, you're the only so person horny. on left Twitter that is not. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, you know, it's working the gimmick, brother, and we'll get into that. Uh, but it, Italians are like. very horny to the point of like (laughs) we can't expect you not to be horny so there was never any sort even though like you know growing up there was any sort of talk about like don't have premarital sex you know don't look at porn they were just like of course everyone's gonna do that because like it's italy you know like (laughs) in sicily you literally get shipped for that that's why they made those knives (laughs) those aren't knives michael they like look at the shape again So yeah, I, th- that is that is one of those funny things that I I do notice about yeah the 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 particularly American brand of, of mm. conservative religion. Well, yeah, there's uh, like this particular brand of like Anglo Protestant blah blah blah. Although I will say it might just be Northern Europe because my grandmother is a German Catholic. She's the only Catholic mm-hmm. I'm related to, and I think she might fuse all of our wonderful sort of peccadillos, fears, neuroses together. In one tiny German woman. <laughs> oh, boy. oh boy, yeah. She's she's a great person, uh, Mrs. Morris. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds great, yeah. <laughs> so, Fredo, if I can transition us out of this beautiful conversation <laughs> into mm-hmm, wrestling, mm-hmm. I ha- I have one very simple question: Is Jesus a face or a heel? <laughs> Ooh. Mm. Well, you know. <laughs> It is one one of my uh, one of my many very stupid Twitter gags that I feel is, is mm-hmm. underappreciated is that I always talk about how um, God doesn't care about what's happening on Earth because he's obsessed with late '80s, early '90s uh, Japanese wrestling. That's just uh, that's so just fact. Yeah, he's he's too busy watching like you know Hanson versus Misawa to care about you know whether you jerked off today. Um, I I think I would say. It, it is interesting because I would say G- Jesus would be one of those guys that he, he would work that like Jason Jordan type gimmick where he's mm. like a heel in his own or a face in his own mind. But other people see him as a heel. Amen. San- would you say the Sanhedrin sees him as a heel? <laughs> they keep trying to pull him into a tag team match. <laughs> yeah. So I assume in this analogy, pilot is Vince McMahon. I'm, 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 I, I don't know. <laughs> Ooh, yeah, I don't know what. Hmm. Yeah, Vince McMahon. Well, Vince McMahon, I would say, is probably closer to Old Testament God. You know, <laughs> very heel, extremely heel God. 
Especially the homophobia. Old and white? Yeah. <laughs> and and Pontius, Pontius Pilate, I think, would be one of those, like, corporate stooge gimmicks, you know? Like, a guy, not inherently a bad guy, but just, you know, is doing what he's told and wants to wants to please the boss, like a, a Briscoe and Patterson. That's right. Triple um, H on his heel turn, like... Ugh. Yeah, triple, triple H turn, the heel turn. Yeah, you know, that kind of thing. Vince McMahon's son-in-law. <laughs> I learned that. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Yeah. So you know, you got you got a few things going on there. Yeah, I've been I've been reading, researching. The only thing I'm good for. Uh, so what? Let, tell me about some of the uh, wrestling research you've done as we transition into, into this stuff. I'm so excited. Uh, I don't know a ton. <laughs> I was uh-huh. reading about uh, Vince McMahon and that apparently he murdered all wrestling that wasn't under him in the 20th century. And it was just kind yeah. of super depressing. There are way better sources for a lot of what we're going to talk about here today. Uh, Cause that's something that's been covered in like a bunch of different documentaries. Oh, sure, yeah. and, and I think they talked about it on dark side of the ring on vice, which is cool. I, mm. I would recommend it, but yeah, yeah vice is like, be... that's where I got a lot of my sort of like, just sort of yeah, like yeah, doing a that's... crash course. And then you, you two are going to be talking about it more than me, but I was just like, kind of trying to like learn a little bit. And I was like, Oh shit, this is real. Yeah. Yeah, but that's that's right on. Like back in the day, you know, wrestling has its roots in like this very carny stuff, mm-hmm. which has a lot of a lot of very negative connotations, which we'll get into uh later on, because there's a lot of real bad stuff happening behind the scenes in wrestling, especially right now. Uh but they had this sort of gentleman's agreement that like, well, I'll run this regional mm-hmm. territory, you run this regional territory, and we'll collaborate with each other here and there. And and Vince Jr., the current Vince McMahon, uh <laughs> was was the guy that was like, um, you know, we're we're gonna actually like consume the territories and become this like big conglomerate. So he's seen I mean he's seen as like a visionary for doing that, but then he's also seen as kind of like a scummy guy because he ruined the livelihood of a lot of people. Yeah, uh, you it, know, in his pursuit of that. It it was weird for me not sort of like having grown up or spent a lot of time myself with wrestling. You know, I have a lot of friends obviously who are into it. But just to read and be like Oh, this is Vince McMahon is just the story of monopoly in America. It's just like it yeah. is, he actually is kind of 20th century America. He's like Walmart, but for like wrestling content. Wrestling and specifically the WWE, it really does feel like a a microcosm of capitalism in a lot of ways. <laughs> you know, he's worth billions of dollars. He's close with the Trumps. He spent his entire life just like buying up or driving other uh, sort of what did you, would you even call them? Uh, territories territories out of business yeah. like him buying the wcw driving the ecw out of business and buying it i was just like holy shit this is well and this is big. and lots of them before that and vince is such i mean you know we probably don't want to get too into vince but he's such a weird guy yeah uh, and and his his business ventures are a big part of that because for for all of the success he's had in wrestling a lot of his endeavors outside of wrestling. I mean, the, the XFL is is one thing hey, that I think XFL people rules, right now. Rules, okay. We can. Yeah. I think we all agree on that. Sure. Yeah. It's it's awesome and great and and um, <laughs> not problematic yeah, awesome at all. The the whole angle with him trying to appeal to like a football league for the pro Trump mm. conservatives yeah. <laughs> tw- twenty years after the original XFL was like the opposite is like fascinating on its own. But he also did super weird stuff like the WBF. I don't know if you came across that in, in your research, the World Bodybuilding Federation, where it was this is this very bizarre bodybuilding show where like the bodybuilders all had gimmicks and stuff. Wait, what? I don't have you you've probably seen that like famous gif of like the bodybuilder coming out with like the top head and the two girls and Vince is like uh 
totally selling it and getting more and more excited as they cut back and forth like that that's from the wbf and it's like you can find them all on like youtube he's on commentary completely unhinged and he's so into it so like this guy comes out and vince i'm gonna go into my vince he's like oh look at that that mass that that's striation on you know he's so into these bodybuilder guys and he would set up these events like i remember there was an episode where he would have the bodybuilders do like a tug of war against some wrestlers and and to use some wrestling terminology the wrestlers had to put over which means intentionally Mm -hmm. lose to uh the bodybuilders in the tug of war because vince wanted the like bodybuilders to look cool and badass just sort of like when obama did that by being a shitty president for eight years and then trump got elected yeah i got you yeah that's exactly because trump yeah trump was 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 there to put over that's exactly right And speaking, and, you know, and Trump obviously is is you know Vince's homie and, and has been involved in a in an infamous wrestling. All good guys himself. are Vince and Trump's homies. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, very just very very bizarre history. A lot of weird stuff. Just a weird guy in general. But yeah, would would recommend to folks that are listening that are maybe a little younger, like look up the WBF. It's so bizarre. It's so just. It's so weird, and the the incredible the degree to which vince is into it like he's clearly more into it than he ever was into wrestling like he's so excited because because he's also i mean not so much now because he's like in his 70s now but for for most of of his run in the the wwf he was also like this insane roided out bodybuilder guy yeah he had that 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 feud with austin and he was like ripped to the gills at like in his 50s just completely obviously roided out. i think we can all agree he still looks good I don't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, he's still he's still in shit. He's always been a very fit guy, but I, I think it says a lot about his psyche because he he's this very old school mm-hmm. alpha male. Like you gotta be big and ripped and tough, you know, kind of guy. That's like guy. the name of his company. He's like Alpha Media or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Al- alpha Entertainment. Yeah. yeah, I mean it's just everything. No. Titan Towers. He's got like the T Rex skull in his office. He's got all these very like what very feels cool like things. today. Very cool. Yeah. I, I was going to say, you know, old-timey alpha male <laughs> affectations. But yes, unironically, extremely cool, <laughs> badass things. Uh, and I want to be just that, like that, that. That's a poster on the wall of Pamela Anderson running towards the camera in a red swimsuit. <laughs> just good. Just cool. Yeah. The fact that he, he, he made a gif into, like, a wall art. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, Vin- yeah, just- Vince is unfettered capitalism in such an interesting way in that when he encounters critique, as he does several times over his career, he finds a way to fold it back into the gimmick. So, like, when he's the bad guy, what does he do? He gets roided up and he goes he goes on stage and he just becomes the bad guy. And he's yeah, like, so good. yeah, no, I can, I can do this. Like, this thing that is ostensibly outside of what wrestling is, I can fold in. And wrestling's great beauty and skill, I think, is just, like everything gets folded in what's most fascinating about that whole mr mcmahon character in that angle and there is an episode of dark side of the ring about this because he was getting legitimate heat and heat is another insider wrestling uh term when he was getting heat because basically what happened was uh bret hart my all-time favorite wrestler who was the champion at the time hero uh yeah hero (laughs) bret hart who 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 unironically rules and if i ever hear anything bad about him i'm gonna like just cry because i'm hearing a lot of bad things about a lot of wrestlers that i thought were cool but we'll we'll get into that later yes um 
he was the champion and I him and Vince had agreed he had this match with Sean and they agreed that like Brett was going to retain the title and then he was going to drop the title later on to like Steve Austin I believe uh because he had gotten a job at WCW and Vince had decided he wanted Brett to drop the title to Sean so like without Brett knowing about it he there's this famous thing the Montreal screw job yes. mm-hmm. uh where Sean Michaels puts him in like a submission hold uh Vince has the ref count uh Brett gets like super pissed off and and people argue even to this day about like whether it was even real or not it it certainly seems real because Brett still seems to be mad yeah, about Brett it is super you know, salty. he also spit in Vince's face immediately yeah, he spit in Vince's it. face According to him, he, like, uppercutted Vince off the ground, which, if anything, Vince probably respected him for that because he's such a weirdo. (laughs) Uh, But but Vince was getting a lot of very valid criticism for this that, like, you know, you you basically lied to this talent and you embarrassed him, you know, as he was on his way to another company uh, that he had told you about, that he'd, you know, given you a chance to make him an offer and and all that stuff. So he was... uh, he, he was really getting a lot of criticism for that. And then he does this interview, which was not in character. He talks about, like, well, I didn't screw Brett. Brett screwed Brett. And he, like, really meant that. But it exploded. Like, he, he got so much heat for that that he then decided, like, oh, you know what? Like, I'm just going to become a character and make that my gimmick of, like the awful boss that screws oh people over and then he became that character so off the back of doing it in real life to a guy he decides like oh that's such a good gimmick i'm gonna be the scummy boss that screws people and then that's what he was for the next like 15 years and and i mean it's insane and cruel and awful but i mean like you say michael there is like an artist or there is like a fascinating kind of artistry to it that like you can only really do in that media and it's stuff like that i think that that makes it so no, it, it is genuinely beautiful to me that like life and art can be so intertwined in a way that genuine genuinely as somebody that came to wrestling in adulthood i have never seen in any other sport or medium that like the things that we create as art and artistry become reality and then fold back into the artistry i've never seen it before yeah. it that's a that's a great way of putting it and, and i think that's probably a good a good place to talk a little bit about the uh, wrestling wrestling primer. So so Zach, uh, <laughs> d- dancing the line because I think what we're kind of talking about here is dancing the line around kayfabe, mm-hmm. kayfabe brother. Yes, uh, so, uh, the, the Fight you, Club of wrestling. Yeah. So do you have? Did you encounter I that? I did. Term I'm in familiar your with kayfabe. These sort of like faking it for lack of a better term. Yeah. I think the yeah, original, it's the, like uh, uh, the the first kayfabe I ever found was when in when harry met sally she faked her orgasm to prove a point yeah i guess that was she was working the fate the fate the That's orgasm right. gimmick you know yes she was <laughs> she was, was fabing the hell out of uh, uh, <laughs> billy crystal <laughs> she convinced me that was a shoot <laughs> yeah so and, and that's it so what about what about a work versus a shoot what's that Okay. Okay. So now, now this this is also fascinating because then you get into the worked shoot, the worked shoot, which yes. is like, oh wild. god, I love it so much. I'm so excited. <laughs> so okay, a work is something that is in kayfabe. So for instance, right, like if uh, if if me and Michael are wrestlers at a company and we're friends in real life. Enough about my erotic wrestling. friend fiction. <laughs> right. Enough. <laughs> 
but but the wrestling angle is that we're like rivals and we're supposed to hate each other, right? And maybe there's an angle that like, oh, I attacked him in the middle of a match, or I said something about <laughs> yeah, his go family. fuck but yourself. In, but in real life, we're <laughs> yeah, just go ahead. And do, but in real life, we're actually friends. Like that that storyline is is a work. Like our mm-hmm. rivalry is a work. A shoot is when guy a shoot is a thing that's real basically outside of kayfabe so sometimes you have guys that have like heat for real mm. or you have uh very rare incidences uh where somebody will like shoot in the ring and like put somebody in a real submission hold right. or something uh what was that guy daniel pooter who was on yes. like tough enough and he, and he put kurt angle in a in a real kimura oh, wow uh, and then they like beat the crap out of him in another match later on. In yeah, fire. I mean, wrestlers have died both for not selling uh, a work and also for being too much of a shoot. Wow. Yeah. For it, yeah, exactly. Or, or you know, or sometimes you know, sometimes wrestlers have have actual rivalries, right? Like you might totally. be working in a company, but you hate each other for real because of some like backstage thing that happened. So you you know, a, a dirt sheet, which is like a. Uh, uh, God, how do I even describe? Dirt sheets are like basically wrestling gossip rags. That is one hundred percent. Yeah, they'll they'll be like these guys got heat like as a shoot, you know. Like, so yeah. so like Politico, but better. Yes, yes, a, a lot. The like slate that. political yeah. gabfest, but sexy. Yeah, the slate <laughs> political gabfest, but, but rooted in more facts. <laughs> Dirt sheets are probably right more often than things like Politico, but that's that's neither here Amen. nor there. Now Amen. the that's the, the most truth of theology of shitty Christians. <laughs> I mean, uh, very right. But the the most fascinating right is when you combine these. And you have the, yes. the infamous mm. and legendary worked shoot, which is when like something happens in real life and they decide to make a wrestling angle out of it. So like the the Montreal Screwjob and and the subsequent Vincent mm. Mann character is like one example. There's another famous example of like uh, Chris Benoit stealing Ke- Kevin Sullivan's wife in real oh, life, shit. yeah, which which also happened again later on with Kurt Angle and Jeff Jarrett. No, the like, number of quote unquote fake affairs that became real affairs in in professional wrestling is staggering Shit, what have i been missing all these years this <laughs> yeah. rule just absolutely like i am you are watching dear listener me become a fan in real time <laughs> dude and, and it's it is fascinating like one of the things that fascinates you most is is seeing you know where where those lines begin and end and today in social media and stuff wrestlers mm. do a lot of interesting and creative stuff with it because it's like where where does the character end and begin and some people will depending on what because they, they do all sorts of media appearances mm-hmm. and totally sometimes they do shoot interviews sometimes it's a work so depending on the show you're on or some people like on twitter will be their real selves but some people are like completely in character on twitter uh, or you get weird, co- like Chris Jericho, for example, and I hope nothing bad comes out about him because right now there's bad stuff coming out about everybody. Uh, but he has like a podcast. It's mostly like a shoot. It's mostly talking about real stuff. But then he always weaves in elements of kayfabe. Like if he mm. has like a feud or a rivalry with somebody, then he'll he'll like pretend like that's real. Like I remember he was feuding with like Bray Wyatt years ago, and Bray yeah. Wyatt would like call into his show in character. <laughs> and, and, like, that's cool. Just, <laughs> Full of very, very weird stuff like that. So, I mean... The difference between a Stan and a Mark has become so functionally erased at this point. I mean, being being a smark is like the new mark, <laughs> yeah, exactly. and that's probably another one we should we should clarify. Please so, Zach, it. did you read about smarks and marks? I, I think... I know it's... Zach, you stupid fucking Stan. <laughs> yeah, you fucking Mark. <laughs> 
I, I thought I was just a simp, according to Twitter. It turns out. Well, yeah. I mean, simps, I mean, yeah, simps are, are kind of like marks for, for e-girls. Fuck, that's so, amazing. I mean, God damn it. <laughs> I think that's a good way of that's putting a, it. But not, like, that's very good. Why don't you explain for our listeners? <laughs> yeah. No, no, fuck well, okay. But No, keep going. So please. Mark... Mark comes from because wrestling has its roots in like scummy carny culture of mm. like basically scamming people. So you know how like carnies will refer to people as marks yeah. that you can like scam in your carnival games or whatever. So they would refer to the fans like the people that think wrestling is is well. I don't like to say real versus fake, but the, the people that think wrestling is a shoot yeah. are are marks. Like they think mm. all this is for real. They don't realize. Yeah, it's, it's the like same thing at a con job. You got a mark. We'll get into that yeah. yeah we'll get into that uh and a smart so the idea of the smart came up a little bit later on because it was like it, it stands for smart mark or somebody that's smartened up which is what they call it when somebody like gets or understands kayfabe like i mean these days it's like open yeah you know, of anybody course. can know but they, they used to be a lot more protective of it but smarks are you know people that actually read the dirt sheets and will think, mm-hmm. you know, a, a wrestler is good based on his character work and, you know, his ability to perform and sell rather than, like, how many guys he beats in matches. Right. Uh, which is all of wrestling at this point. Like, everyone... Which is all, yeah, which is all of wrestling. Like, almost everybody is is a smart these yeah. days because, like, you can't really avoid that stuff. I do occasionally run into somebody who's, like, unironically a mark and it's, like, so funny because they'll be like, well, Roman Reigns is the best wrestler. Look at all these guys he's beaten and I'm just like dude what come on bro hey hey i just started learning man i don't appreciate you putting me on blast today <laughs> on yeah. my own podcast yeah, got, well, no, but, we're, but we're smartening you up now yeah, yeah. so you're we're gonna adding the s to your mark smart <laughs> <laughs> so you're you're giving up your markdom at the door you you went from not knowing about it to being a mark to being a smart in like one conversation god damn that's pretty fast <laughs> And here I just thought you and Michael were enemies this whole time. <laughs> yeah. No, our feud it was all it was all It was all until, work, baby. <laughs> until we get pulled and what was uh, I'm trying to remember it was like Abdullah the Butcher and was it Hulk Hogan? I can't Big John Stud that like they had a feud or no, I think it was the Million Dollar Man. Uh, and they got they got pulled over in a car together, and Vince got like so mad. Oh yeah, this used to be a thing that so- <laughs> faces and heels couldn't ride together. Because yeah, all of get, wrestling like, was just driving around circuits in cars. <laughs> and if your enemies were in the same car together, that broke the whole thing. So, like, yeah. you would literally just be like, no, faces and heels cannot be together. They cannot do this together. And if you sh- happen to show up in the same bar, if you happen to get a drink at the same place, you better be willing to fucking fight about it. Because that's what yeah, kayfabe that was. was. Legit. They they used to they used to do that. I mean, or, or, so many hilarious stories from the time that like they they used to give um, the million dollar man like a ton of money because every time he would walk into like a hotel bar, like he was expected to be in character all the time. So if he walked into a bar, he's like, all right, well I'm the million dollar man, so like I'm gonna get a drink for everybody because I'm like super rich. So they they actually gave him money to do that stuff. <laughs> That's a pretty so that good he gimmick. Could, like, yeah. live that every time he walked into a bar, he had to fly to Mars. <laughs> like, you know. 
just I, I don't know if this is the place to cut in. Uh, I was going to say it reminds me of rap uh, of '90s hip hop. I mean, yeah, those guys probably. '90s hip hop is a work a for real, for real. Yeah, but yeah. that's what I mean, it the, the, me a of. lot of those rap feuds probably were kayfabe. So you're probably yeah, you, you've got kayfabes, and you've got people getting really killed, like you know Biggie and Pac, and like you yeah. also have that was like, a work shooter, East Coast, West Coast, work became... but then all those guys yeah. eventually end up working together if they survive. I'm sure there were a lot of like very real rivalries, but I'm sure that a lot of that stuff was was probably hyped up for the sake of uh, you know sales and and hype. Before we get into like my experience as somebody that came to this as an adult, uh, maybe Fredo, like walk me through like what was this for you as a kid, as somebody that grew up? Like I grew up in and among wrestling but not of it like i never understood Uh why people were excited until i was an adult and i went and saw a real match in front of me so like help me understand what that meant for you as a young person and what it means to you as a grown-up i grew up in like the sort of um the the early years gangs of 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 new york (laughs) the yeah gangs in new york where we you know the the irish and the italians would fight in the streets (laughs) clubs or whatever that movie was about um no i like i was a little kid basically during like the the era of like hulk hogan and macho man and ultimate warrior you know those like uh larger than life early 90s characters Mm. and back then uh, wrestling was a thing where young kids, I mean, young boys at least, because it was a lot more sort of, you know, gender segregated back then, like a lot of things. But it was really a thing that, like, everybody was into. You know, mm. all the kids liked wrestlers and all the kids were into, like, Hulk Hogan. See, uh, I just didn't and, have and friends. That was my problem. Yeah, I I was really into cucking, so I was super into Hulk Hogan. <laughs> as, as, like, a six-year-old, you were... <laughs> We're not here to investigate my Pornhub history, Fredo. <laughs> then why do you have it up right now, Michael? <laughs> yeah, why Why is it in the discussion yeah, yeah. for the podcast? The <laughs> this is a private so, Discord, I mean, damn it. <laughs> so I, 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 got, so I, I got into it as a little kid because it was like, you know, those people were like superheroes and wrestling used to be on along with Saturday morning cartoons. God damn it, that is watch. such a great term for it because if sports is people trying to be the best of their abilities than wrestling is people trying to pretend to be greater than the best of their abilities. They're working as hard as professional athletes and then still trying to construct a persona beyond that. Absolutely. Absolutely. So like, I think in a lot of, I mean, uh, in, in a lot of ways, um, I grew up along with like all, all of the wrestling angles were kind of perfectly aligned to, to where I was at that point. Cause then like, when I was a teenager, all of this uh, this Bret Hart stuff happened, and it went into the Attitude Era, which is when wrestling got like a lot more edgier, and uh, that was good and bad. I mean, a lot of that stuff was very, very cringy to look back on at Katie Vick and hot stuff. lesbian action. We, we, yeah, we don't have to talk about any of that stuff. I, but, I think um, Vince McMahon coined the term MILF. <laughs> <laughs> he might have. He might. Have, yeah, Vin, Vince. Oh man, there are some there are some gimmicks that have aged uh, horrifically badly, and I'm I'm also also thinking back to Vince's uh original in, in the original XFL run how they had that thing of like the cameraman getting footage of the women's oh, locker room I remember room. that because I was, was like a I kid mean, just yeah like, because that <laughs> was the closest you had to porn yeah <laughs> it was so you know <laughs> Vince yelling at the cameraman like get in there yeah. get me some ratings damn it. Uh, just the, the... also just every racial angle up until like 2007 <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah yeah uh, a lot just horrifically racist caricature characters and i mean that's something i feel like 
wrestling has only like pretty recently gotten over i mean even even up until fairly recently like the last had, three weeks <laughs> I, honestly it feels that way and i don't want i don't want to like call out you know specific people working gimmicks because you know i don't know necessarily what's going on behind the scenes there uh so i, I definitely don't want to dump on like the the work 100 percent. the that. people that are doing this job are trying to do it to the best of their ability like absolutely that it is never never i mean you know we've been very fun but to be serious for a second this is never a critique of the people that are doing the work because those people are the people that we speak to every week which is to say the people that are exploited yeah i, I mean 100 percent. i mean it is a bummer there is a long history of wrestling you know some guy will come up and vince or somebody else will be like well you're black so you're gonna be like the gang-banging thug black guy yeah. with a rap song and gunshots in the background that cuts kill whitey promos or whatever until and, you're and, john you know, cena the, in which case you can do all so that you're john shit cena. but just be famous <laughs> and the marks the marks eat it up you know it's it's gross and i mean i think that there there are a lot of great talents that i think got like a short shrift because of those angles Amen. and and you know i am happy to see in recent years uh you know a lot of a lot of those talents were able to like break through those those crappy stereotypes and be something other you know you are an, an athlete and a character that happens to be whatever you know whatever ethnicity or sexual orientation rather than that being your gimmick it honestly you know, than, reminds like, me of the 60s blues revival and that like it's not necessarily free from racial issues but it is an attempt to appreciate a thing that formerly we were only stereotyping so yeah so yeah, people that came up three it. decades before this are all of a sudden getting a chance to revisit that but in a more empowered way and it's not perfect and it's not lacking in like it, it definitely is absolutely yeah, but, not yeah. but but i do think it's still like is powerful that somebody that had to deal with this shit for their entire career gets to come back and and encounter that with a little bit more uh agency yeah, and that's probably a good opportunity, not not to bounce around all over the place, but it is probably a good opportunity to at least say one of the, the negative and frustrating things about wrestling uh, has been, at least in, in my opinion, uh, is that a lot of people have been held down um, because of their, you know, their ethnicity, their gender, uh, their sexual orientation, you know, wh whether it's uh, being put into bad gimmicks, uh, being put lower in the card. Uh, not being given opportunities that you know probably based on their talent they they should have had not unlike uh, america anything that takes you out of the standard of straight white male can hurt you in this industry yeah yeah i mean and, and in wrestling i i think i think we are now in an era where like we're we're getting past it but it's it's like pretty unbelievable that there have only really been even though WWE has been around for so long and there have been so many performers of, of you know, all sorts of ethnicities and, and what have you. But we've only ever had like a handful of black world champions. There have been like three or four. Uh, and they're usually like the secondary champion because they have like multiple world champions and weird stuff. 100%. There. I got into wrestling lot, in like 2015, 2016, where New Japan Wrestling was sort of taking over the independent oh, yeah. scene. And it was both amazing to see people step into this role that they had never had access to before and fucking owning it because they deserve to and also see how many people like got to be tag team champions uh because they didn't have the racial background or history in the industry to take the real titles 
Yeah, yeah, and I mean that that definitely happens a lot. And I mean, you know, um, shout out to the the Wrestling Friends Federation, by the way. Some uh, buddies of mine we chat wrestling yes. on Twitter. Uh, but we were talking, you know, a little while back, we were talking about Kayentai, uh, which was this uh, uh, this this stable of Japanese wrestlers in the the like late late nineties, uh, early two thousands. And you had, so they were involved in a lot of like very famously, very stupid angles. They would do this thing where they would like dub over them like old Kung Fu movies. And they had this manager. Oh, God. So, yeah. Oh, God. They had this manager that would talk in this like hysterically, you know, over the top Japanese accent. And I'm not even going to like do it, but Please don't. you can look it up online. Uh, it's, it's pretty rough. And, and a lot of the people like Taka Michinoku was in that stable, incredibly talented wrestler, amazing worker. Uh, Dick Togo's another guy that was there, and he was terrific. I know, like, Funaki was involved in them uh, with them for a while. Uh, like, basically, all the guys in that stable were really, really great wrestlers, especially Taka Michinoku, but because they were, like, this, like, foreigner, you mm-hmm. know, comedy, like, they could never have, like, a Japanese guy be the world champion. Uh, so they never really, you know... they it was like out of the question, right? Like that you would never even imagine that. And only in recent years, like we recently had like Shinsuke Nakamura come over to WWE and his, you know, his run hasn't been the best, but he was like a big, big star uh, in Japan. My first, and I remember as uh, well, my second live show ever was seeing Shinsuke before he ever was on any sort of like, before he ever made it on NXT actual TV or before he ever transitioned to, uh, like WWE, like I, I, oh, so you you saw him like work in dark matches, exactly. Dark matches, are exactly. Matches that are not I got to see TV, him. I, I forget <laughs> who he accidentally took out the day before he did my match, but there was a guy and he accidentally worked him and put him in the <laughs> hospital for a few days. Or shoot, shoot. Oh, sorry, or sorry. Shot yeah, exa- on him, I guess. Yeah. Ex- <laughs> or potato. Uh, they, they say potatoed, like if you hit yes, somebody for real, that that's is, potatoing. That is him. That yeah. exactly the term that I should have remembered when I was looking at my notes this <laughs> week, this morning. Um, and so he, they had to change his whole match. Uh, but I, I got really lucky because I got into wrestling in like 2015, 2016. And I got to see like Shinsuke before he was ever on the WWE in NXT. I got to see Asuka at the same match, like the same NXT match. Um, It was a really beautiful time when like these sort of developmental leagues were like growing. Um, Yeah. Yeah. NXT was terrific in in that. And it was, Um, it was really fun to just show up knowing fucking no one and fucking nothing. And just being like, God damn, this is beautiful. Yeah. See these amazing people. And you know, I, I think we're still, you know, they're still not in like an ideal place and they still have a way to go. But I think it does show how far they've come that people like, you know, Nakamura, he he never did win the world title and I don't think he ever will. But there was a while there where it seemed like, oh, he might win that belt. It, it didn't seem beyond the pale. Yeah, Whereas you, like in the late you referenced 90s, his show never... with Sami Zayn and I think their, yeah. their relationship from that point was so beautiful. But I think it started at this incredible match where two... Two people that had both done a thing very, very well and also struggled to, like, cross over just gave each other everything. Yeah, they, that match was terrific. Both of them looked like a million bucks it's there. It's fucking and, incredible. And both of them really, yeah, and both of them have really not had, uh, you know, as much success as I think that they, they should. Uh, I mean, I guess you could make an argument that Shinsuke is, like, kind of in his retirement years and is phoning it in or whatever, but, I mean, he's still... Uh, a, a incredible yeah but I've seen those intros talent. god damn it I saw him live it was fucking incredible 
yeah, it must have been awesome. I mean, that that match is is definitely. I don't know. It might have gotten like five stars, which that's another. Uh, yeah, that's, that's another a whole exactly. other level of <laughs> wrestling like wrestling rating. Sheets, <laughs> but let's just rating. say but it was yeah, a critically was, like, acclaimed phenomenal. moment. Critically acclaimed match. Yes, it was. It was really really good. And you know uh, the the I mean Oscar. That's that's another great person to bring up because like look like women's wrestling especially like my god, women's wrestling probably never problematic. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, not at all. I just in the in the 90s like it was basically it was an afterthought when i was a little kid and then throughout like the late 90s and and most of the 2000s it was basically like you know tna like bikini yeah. models uh they wouldn't really hire women from the indies or women that knew how to work you know they would hire uh cheerleaders or which not i'm not knocking people for being cheerleaders but they would hire women based on their looks no 100 yeah. there's a difference and they would between do, like, titillating, no one you would know. here yeah. would ever say that like women wrestlers have not had the hardest bag or done the most work because the truth is that like both in the match in the ring and on the sidelines like women have held wrestling together like women have been yeah. whole storylines like women have done the work uh but also especially through the 90s they were relegated to hot lesbian action and we're gonna flash on pay-per-views and and that thing was just very common until very recently yeah, it was bad. You you would maybe get you know the women would get one three minute match in a show that totally. even if they, you know even if they had been working hard and training and there were I mean there are a lot of a lot of women that came from like a non wrestling background that took it very seriously and they they got good but they were never really able to to show that off in the WWE and yeah it's only. Uh, I mean, Asuka's a good example because I remember uh, being on wrestling boards, uh, you know, 10 years ago when she was working in Japan as Kana and, like, tearing it up. And everybody saying, like, oh, too bad, like, you know, John Laurinaitis, who was the, the talent relations guy at the time, he would never hire uh, Kana because she's not, you know, she doesn't have the look. Uh, which is not, to, I mean, she's, she's like beautiful, not that that matters, right? But in WWE, at least at the time, they wouldn't hire you unless you looked like. Yeah, I mean, a, a very she looks particular like a person look. that has muscles as opposed to a person that has boobs. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and she was, you know, she was a, a fantastic wrestler and, you know, just seemed like one of those people like, well, you know, she'll never get a chance just like a lot of other fantastic people are never going to get a chance. Cause you know, with the women, they don't have the right look and with the guys too, you're too short. You don't have enough abs, you know, whatever. And, and we only, you know, but I, I will say like, that is getting better that it, like, I never thought we'd see like AJ Styles in the WWE, uh, for as problematic as a lot of his attitudes totally. are, but you but know, still. The, the fact that they would, you know, bring somebody that looks like that in and make him world champion daniel bryan who i think is amazing and is a a, a perfect um unproblematic king <laughs> uh, we needed was one another of guy right yeah was another guy right that it's like well he's this like five foot seven you know doesn't look like much but is like the probably the best wrestler we've seen in like 30 years uh and you know uh, him him being short matters more than him being you know the best rest and and he had to you know he had to work incredibly hard to get where he is but he did make it i think that we we need to talk about the issues going on in wrestling right now but before we get there i think you brought up a really interesting point which is like why is it that now is the moment where a five seven guy can be the most important person in wrestling like if we accept the idea that wrestling has always been about being Hercules when you're human and the fact that mm -hmm. many people have died in the pursuit of trying to be superhuman, like what is this moment in wrestling before we hit the most recent issues that we're encountering? And maybe like 
why is it better than just make-believe? Because we've talked around it, but I, I really want to get to the core of like why you love wrestling, why I, as an adult, was able to come to wrestling and fall in love with it without having that nostalgia. Like I think that's a really yeah. important thing before we indulge, before we engage with why it's really having a hard time right now. I mean, I, I think a lot of it has. To, so earlier we talked about how like kind of everybody is a smark now. Totally. And and I think that that has a lot to do with it because back in the day, uh, and, and Vince famously has this kind of very old timey attitude of like you want to bring in these giant mastodons, you know, these like big <laughs> huge muscle guys because he sees it as like you know wrestlers. I saw that band like three times these. in college. <laughs> That, uh, you know, wrestlers all need to be, like, larger-than-life superheroes. And and I think between other companies, you know, smaller companies, and the way the fans were reacting to things, things started to move in a direction where, like, a lot of these a lot of these people that were putting on good matches that were good workers or, you know, had, had a good work mm-hmm. rate. I'm, like, totally. throwing in as much terminology as I can. <laughs> uh, we're, we're really getting, getting over, which is to say uh, getting, getting popular and getting a lot of people uh, behind them. Mm-hmm. So... I, I think Vince and the WWE in particular was still pretty slow to adapt and bring in some of these people. I mean, I think Daniel Bryan uh, won like best technical wrestler in in um, like Pro Wrestling Illustrated for like seven years in a row before they hired yeah. him. Oh totally. Gosh. So it's like you got a guy that like everybody says he's the best guy in the world for almost a decade before you even like take a look at. Amen. Him. Before uh, before he gets to be the the work guy for Shinsuke, like. Yeah. So I, I, I think what had happened, uh, or at least my opinion, right, is that people just gained more of an appreciation for the artistry of wrestling mm-hmm. and the technical skills of wrestling and got a lot more appreciation for people for for being good, uh, you know, not just like the look and the character, which isn't to say those things aren't important, but, you know, people got a lot more uh, appreciative of, of those elements. And then you look back, you know, in, in say the, the 90s, there were so many like really talented wrestlers that never really got much of an opportunity because they were just too small or whatever, you know, or, or uh, uh, a female wrestler wasn't good looking enough or a guy wasn't tall enough or, you know, whatever whatever the situation uh, may be. So my, my guess would be is that things just shifted as like the fan base got a little bit more smarky. Uh, there came to be a lot more appreciation for that stuff. That's certainly the angle that like I'm coming from because I'm I'm a guy I, I didn't mention earlier I'm a guy that like I kind of fell off wrestling and then I got back into it like a little bit later oh, on and when I got back into it that that was why you know that I was like oh man you know these guys like it's a real art. Uh, the the way some of these people are working and and I got into like the indies and I got into Japanese wrestling and like that made me get into it. Uh, so I mean I don't know that would be my kind of guess, Michael. I don't know if you have any kind of uh, ideas about well, that. Well, it's interesting for me because I agree with you that everyone is a smart now. Like th- there is nobody that is truly a fan of wrestling that is not also aware of what wrestling is. The only way to be a true fan is to also be aware of all the sort of drama behind the scenes, and I think that is sort of a beautiful pivot from the age of kayfabe where. If you showed up in the same bar, you had to have a fight because you were in a rivalry or you couldn't drive in the same car (laughs) or uh, I'm going to actually hurt you in this match because, you know, that's really going to sell it. As somebody that came to it as an adult, as somebody that got interested because I was the douchebag kid that grew up being like, you know, it's fake, right? <laughs> oh, you never use you never use the F. No, I, I, I totally was that kid, though. I was the kid that grew up <laughs> in the attitude era being sort of like. 
why is everybody saying Austin 316 when they could be saying John 316? <laughs> oh. Oh. <laughs> Michael's been canceled even jokingly from this podcast. And and it's it's especially funny because the that promo th- that launched that whole catchphrase was like the exact literally the opposite of that. Totally. Where he was like picking on Jake the Snake for being like a Bible thumper. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, no, I it's amazing again, as someone that came to it as an adult, you're just like, wow, this is so much more complex than like you you really got work. One hundred percent. One hundred percent. A thousand percent. And so I got interested in not just wrestling, but like the whole history of wrestling as an adult. And then very quickly, I was like, you know what? I'm watching these historic matches, and they're not hitting me the way I want them to. I I think what I need is to actually see this live. And so the very first wrestling match that I ever saw live, which I did as a 28 year old was the Empire Wrestling Federation in West Covina, California. West Covina? <laughs> um, where, where Crazy Ex-Girlfriend takes exactly. place. Exactly. Right. Great uh, show. <laughs> a place that would take me about 45 minutes any other time of day to get to uh, from where we are, at, you know, 10 miles from the coast in, Cal- in, in Los Angeles, but took me two and a half hours the night that I was going out there to get to this... Uh, lodge that was owned by the Masons and was being rented out for wrestling. Uh And it just so happened to be when I was like, you know, I have to see this live. I'm interested. I'm invested. I'm reading all these stories. I have to see this in person. It was their 20 year anniversary. Uh, So they had Frankie Kazarian and Molina showing back up because they had both come up through that promotion. And they were two of the people that had sort of gone on to a fair amount of WWE F slash E fame and yeah. And, and other promotions. Exactly. Too, like Frankie uh, is now. actually a really important part of the AEW, which is maybe yep. the most modern promotion. Uh, and was one of their first like tag team champions. And I had no fucking idea who he was. <laughs> um, yeah. But great talent. And Melina, uh, Melina was in Lucha underground, I believe too, after, uh, yeah. Uh, I think she uh, showed up. Yeah. I, I saw her at one, uh, Lucha Vavum. Uh, which is sort of the like oh yeah yeah that was a really fun yeah that was that was really good i got to go to that a couple times and that was like a really fun sort of lucha slash burlesque slash whole other thing um but this was the first time i showed up with my wife who has never seen wrestling in person (laughs) and had and i was like i honestly don't know this could be a family-friendly promotion this could be like blood and barbed wire and yeah extremely exactly (laughs) and she was like cool i'll come because she's a badass Mm mm-hmm and we showed up about 45 minutes late to the meet and greet uh, because I bought VIP tickets, which are $5 more expensive than the regular tickets. Uh, and I was like, well, clearly I have to get the VIP tickets. <laughs> well, yeah. Uh, and I showed up to this, this Masonic trendy, Lodge <laughs> and they were like, hey, you're late. And I was like, no, it's cool. I understand. I just, I, you know, it's not a big deal. And they're like, no, you are a <laughs> VIP. We are going to rush you. Up to the room where all of the wrestlers are getting ready, and you were going to meet Frankie and Melina, even though you showed up like half an hour late. Damn, that's pretty cool. It was fucking incredible. And my whole time, I'm just like, please don't let me insult these people. Because I am I am here because I want to understand and respect, but I am in a position where I don't know. And there is a very real chance that I will hurt somebody's feelings by not knowing who they are, even though I should. The whole point is that I'm here to learn, 
but I have put myself in a position where I could potentially make somebody's life a little bit harder by being like, hey, yeah, you, what's you up? I have no idea who the fuck you are. You got me thinking about there was another uh, there was an episode of uh, Dark Side of the Ring about this too that that John Stossel, uh, Doctor D thing. Yes. John Stossel's like, oh, you know it's fake, right? And he just yes. Oh my god, I had this in my notes. I'm <laughs> so glad you brought it up. I would never, I would never. I, my whole point was to not be a Stossel. Um, yeah, because I functionally had as much information as John Stossel. I just didn't want to be an asshole about it. Uh, so I just showed up and smiled and got my picture with both of them, and they were both super cool. And it was really cool to show up to a small local promotion that both trains a lot of local wrestlers and has had these connections to like nationally or internationally famous wrestlers. Uh, and I got to see my first live wrestling match. And we've sort of been talking in and around the idea of like real versus fake and talking about how fake is sort of the wrong yeah. word. Work versus shoes. Uh, yeah. yeah. But I actually think um, stage is also the wrong word. I think of it as real. I mean, it is real athleticism, but I generally, when I, when I correct people, and I often do because my coworkers are like, you know what's fake, right? <laughs> I say like, well, the outcomes are predetermined. Yeah. You know, but but that doesn't make it. No, fake. it's like, okay, so I'm in a room with 500 people I've never met. Um, most of them are really excited that we showed up. Me and my wife showed up because they're like, hey, you drove like two and a half hours to be here. We're out in intermission just chatting with people and people are like really generous about their like love for the fact that we cared enough to show up. Damn, that's really cool. That sounds like an it awesome was it was beautiful. I mean, we bought three dollar beers and ate chili dogs and just hung out. And the first couple matches, I'll be honest, were very racially insensitive. Like one of the uh, first yeah. matches was a German guy versus a Japanese guy, and the Japanese oh, Japanese no. guys kept doing a move called a dive bomb, and it was just like, oh no, this is terrible. Uh, yeah, but hey, so so was World War Two, Michael. What was beautiful is you know two and a half hours into this event. 500 people in this room that probably only could hold 300. The 20 year anniversary of this promotion that had propelled at least some people to stardom. Uh, and they had all stepped in to be carpenters, to be people that helped put over the local wrestlers. So every single famous person lost on purpose because they wanted to give back to the thing that made them. Yeah, that which is really nice. I really nice Incredi to see. That, it was know, for, it was yeah, beautiful absolutely. to watch. Not just that they did it, but that they did it with care. That they like yeah. put effort into losing well. Um, that there were like moments where it's just like, oh fuck, that is like a physically very demanding thing that they did just to make this person they've never met and don't really care about individually, but care about this promotion like look really good. And then we get yeah, to and, it, and it's a kind thing for them to do too because they didn't have you know they, they didn't have to do absolutely that, you know? not so these, these like, are people yeah. that have been on national television multiple times and they are choosing to show up to this place that is three to five hundred people in the middle of Covina California which is to say nowhere and I'm not being <laughs> insulting when I say that I mean that like <laughs> let's be honest about the realities of this place and they came there to give they came there to lose and make people look good as they lost yeah that's extremely it was cool. beautiful. 20 year anniversary and then we get to the final match and the guy that they have been working a whole season around wins and when he wins he takes his child up on stage and he starts crying and i look around oh, man i'm like i look around and everyone everyone like uh, you know just for perspective this man is is a black man and most of the people in the audience are white and everyone is crying because 
this guy finally won. That's the that's the beauty, the beauty of storytelling and wrestling. I it love was, it. It was it was the moment where I realized like fake fake or even stage is not the right word. Like we have to acknowledge that like yes, of course his outcome was predetermined. Yes, of course this man has been working for months and months and months to be the kind of wrestler that could convincingly sell a predetermined outcome. But also when he is standing on there with his kid he's not speaking as a, as a work. He's not even really speaking as a shoot. He's speaking as himself. And, yeah. and yeah. everyone in that room recognized that. And their response to that was to cry and cheer in a really genuine way, which is especially beautiful. when you remember that all of these people are, are connected physically. Like this is a local promotion connected to a very specific geography. Uh, and these are people that probably lead very different lives, but they are all gathered together um, to genuinely care about something that could very easily feel forced or faked. It was remarkably beautiful. And as somebody that even was sort of prepared for the potential of wrestling to show up and see it in full force that way, it was just like, God damn, we need, we need better words. Because there's there's always like the one disgustingly smarky guy who's probably sitting there like, oh, get a load of all these dumb yeah, marks. Exactly. You know? How dare these motherfuckers cry? <laughs> you guys are no, all getting worked. Uh, <laughs> no, I, 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 I was fully a mark in that moment. And I and I think happily a mark. And it's it's at its best when it makes a mark on it. I mean, there have been a lot of angles that I've I've become and I've acknowledged, like, I've become a mark here, but, like, I am going to be so mad if, like, Daniel Bryan doesn't win the title at WrestleMania 30. You know? <laughs> totally. <laughs> and, and like you said, I mean, I think that's the kind of thing you only really see in wrestling, and one of the things that makes it so great. No, it is, it is, it is the only sport that is more than a sport. Like, every other sport will reward you for exactly as talented as you are, and only wrestling will say it will both demand that same level of excellence and also reward your ability to pretend past it. Yeah. It's the only sport that's good. <laughs> exactly. Is what we're saying. All right. Exactly, <laughs> Zachary. <laughs> we want to talk, you know, we've been talking about the positivity of wrestling. Yeah. Uh, and I think there is a lot of bad stuff that, uh, <laughs> yeah. Wrestling has always been a hyper-capitalist medium. It has always been a thing that has been controlled by a handful of people. It has always been a thing mm -hmm. where any sort of attempt at unionization has been crushed. And I think all of that is yeah, still and, true. And often, and often crushed by the one or two people at the top yeah. that, you know, the, the, your Hulk Hogan or your John Cena exactly. who... You know, well, I, everybody else will make more money. The one and, or two make people a little that bit are less, making so. good on this make it ruined yeah. for everyone else. Well, it's and and you know, again, we talk about the microcosm of capitalism. It's much like the economy in general that it's like those handful of one percenters exactly. that have all the power and that manage to continue to push policies that enrich them at the cost of making everybody else Every poor. I mean, other it really is wrestler. A lot of these people are, are famous and they're household names and they're on TV every week and they're selling a ton of merch and they're they're not making I mean, they're not making much money relative to what they're bringing in. Uh, and I know that folks like to complain about like, well, you know, these entitled athletes like they're they're making five hundred thousand dollars a year and they want more. And it's like, well, yeah, the value of their labor is is well, more yeah, than I that. Mean, they are bringing more money than that into the organization. Uh, and weirdly, go, oh, sorry, say, go ahead. Zach. Granted, whatever is nothing for a sport that demands this of your body because like you're, you're going to break down yeah. and. When you look at all the other sports, something I know about, <laughs> they all have st pretty strong unions. 
Yeah. Well, yeah. And wrestling, I mean, not only that, you got to like pay for all your own shit too. So like when you, unless you're like a top, top guy, like when you travel, you got to like pay your own transportation, pay your own hotel, get your own meals, do like all that stuff yourself. So a lot of these like lower card wrestlers that are making, you know, $150,000 a year, you know, at the end of the day, that's maybe the equivalent of making like 70 grand because you got to spend all your own money to be on the yeah, road. Yeah, and, and exactly. You're paying your way into being able to do this job. And also, I think just the idea that uh, not unlike other sports, you are sacrificing your body in order to do this. But unlike other sports, mm-hmm. you know, if we look at the NFL. And there have been a lot of studies that have shown that the average wrestling match, the average full-term wrestling match, 30 to 40 minutes, is about as demanding as an NFL game. Wow. But these guys do this one week each week for 12 weeks a year? 14? <laughs> yeah. 16. And 16 wrestlers do it three to five times a week. Yeah. Right. So you're talking about people that are quite literally sacrificing their, their body and we don't have time to do justice to the number of like triple a wrestlers that have spent their twilight years creating gofundmes yeah yeah um, they can't afford their medical bill or they can barely i mean how many of these older wrestlers you see that like they yeah. can barely walk they can exactly. barely do anything because their knees are just destroyed or they got a bunch of concussions and i mean you know uh the whole the chris benoit yeah, tragedy the, the, the benoit uh, of it you know. all where we refuse to even acknowledge this thing until a man murders his family yeah. like yeah, and I, I don't yeah. say that to make light of it. I say that as a, a tragedy of who he was. That like, yeah, he no. was the hero of this thing, and they still didn't care for him. Mm-hmm. He was the Hulk Hogan of his era, and they still didn't take care of him. Yeah, and they don't. I mean, that's the, at the end of the day, they don't take care of uh, of of people enough, and whether that's that's the pay, that's the care, that's what they make them do. That's, you know, how many matches they force them to work, uh, not allowing them to recover, but basically, you know, subtly or not so subtly pushing them to take either steroids to get their bodies where they want it to be, or, you know, for the women to get implants or, you know, a a million uh, taking stuff to recover from injuries faster, which of course gives them health problems later on down Mm -hmm. the line. I mean, it's, it's very sad the things that a lot of these people are are pressured to do, uh, and and I think it adds a lot of uh, you know toxicity to the to the business. It's it's very yeah, unfortunate. Yeah, it, it was surreal reading about it. Being uh, someone who's a lot more familiar with sort of your uh, you know basketball, NFL, whatever, mm-hmm. uh, because it it reads a lot like sort of a, a an inverse mirror image of that. Like what happens when you remove all worker power. Like you could, like yeah. it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's <laughs> very much is that sort of like in the scientific sense, like it's like a perfect control for what happens if you have a multi-billion-dollar yeah. business that's based around athletes, and if you um, just remove player power and, and union control, like the NBA shares about fifty percent of its revenue with its players, like that is nowhere fucking near the case, obviously with wrestling. Yeah, no, I, I mean, and some God, there's so much to talk about. I mean the. AEW coming up, I know that they've got a like a better incentivization structure for the wrestlers and that they get insurance and stuff like that. 
but the indies obviously don't. I mean, the indies are even more horrifically exploitative, and and WWE obviously has uh, has quite a bad history. And and we didn't even talk about like the the big big thing, uh, which is that Vince basically has this loophole where all of the wrestlers count as independent contractors, Staggering. even though they Insane. they exclusively work for him. They are not allowed to do shows for any other promotions. Yeah. And yet they are independent contractors, which basically lets they them off somehow the manage like to be Uber drivers, them. despite the fact that they sell hundreds of thousands, if not millions in merch. Yeah, it is. It is absolutely wild. And it's and it's clearly a thing that he's only able to get away with because he does have like political influence. Yeah. He's like very close in the Trump. Also a North Carolina a, boy as two North Carolina boys. We have to say, fuck that dude for real, for real. <laughs> <laughs> also, yeah, it's it's pretty yeah, rough. No. It's 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 appalling. No, I mean when I was doing my sort of like deep dive into wrestling as a grown man who wanted to understand like how this thing could be both so real and so constructed at the same time, uh, I encountered things like Gary Hart's biography. And Gary Gary Hart is is sort of a larger than life figure. He's not actually connected to the Hart clan. He's a guy that grew up in like Southern wrestling circuits, but he talked about like showing up to a match where he was getting paid twenty five dollars a night. And being told, like, hey, you'll get an extra 50 if you wrestle both a bear and an alligator. What? In Yeah, that sounds about in, right. In, uh, in Canada. And then he wrestled the bear, and that turned out to be a pretty good match, as he remembered it. <laughs> he was like, yeah, the bear did its part. But it turned out that God, the that alligator was dead. Yeah. Uh, so they, like, shoved this dead alligator out into the match, and he did everything he could to try to make that a real match. And then once he had wow. pinned the dead alligator and left it on its belly uh, in the ring and was getting booed because people thought that he had killed it, uh, <laughs> he oh showed God. up to get oh his paycheck and they were like, well, that's not a real match because it was already dead. And that's when he pulled out wow. the razor that he usually used to cut his own face to sell you know, the reality of this wrestling that he did. And he was like, to, to blade, exactly, as we call exactly. it. You know? <laughs> and he pulled that out and was like, hey, I can cut your forehead too. <laughs> oh my God. Just, uh, and, and the, and the f- freaky thing is stories like that are absolutely par for that the course. That is normal. I mean, the, the- the incredibly scammy nature of, of these promoters. And, and I do think, you know, we'll, we'll get into, cause I think the other big issue is that there, there really is a lot of like, old-timey machismo and bullying and i mean i will just a toxic masculinity i know that that's like a thing that people like to make fun of the left for bringing up or whatever but wrestling is a really no, good wrestling example is maybe the best truly, example of like yeah truly uh toxic masculinity and and that takes the form of, of bully not only bullying but that you're expected to take this kind of insane bullying because it's part of like quote paying your dues so like if if you take this abuse and then you speak out or complain then you're like blacklisted because wrestlers have just this ridiculous you know old-fashioned outlook that is ingrained in them because all of the promotions are run by these scam artist carnies that feel the same way i mean it's it's gross and i think that the the situation that's happening right now which we'll we'll talk about in just a sec uh is in my opinion very much tied to that that you have this this culture of toxic masculinity and alpha male and machismo so then once you make it you feel like you can just do anything and a lot of these people are doing reprehensible stuff all right so before we get out of here it's it's an interesting segment for us because i think when we when we initially talked about this segment what we wanted to talk about is some of these sort of 
interesting leftist movement in wrestling. You know, wrestling has, as we talked about, has always been a, hey, you're kind of on your own. Like, mm-hmm. you're good mm-hmm. until you're not. And there have been a couple promotions that have really tried to sort of push past that. Uh, but about a week before we started recording this, uh, we encountered something far more important. And I think it's really important that as, as much as we want to be here and talk about the things we love about wrestling, it's time to talk about the ways in which it really has has struggled and, and fallen flat and the ways in which it has failed a lot of people. So So let's talk about what the past week has meant for wrestling, what the speaking out movement has meant for wrestling, Fredo. Yeah, and and I, I think we should probably um, open this up by saying, I mean, content warning. So uh, there there is some very very gross stuff around uh, like sexual abuse. So uh, if you know if that's something that's uh, you're uncomfortable with, you know, one hundred percent. These are these are serious yeah, issues, yeah. and we are not taking it lightly to talk about them. And yeah, it is uh, it is bad. I mean, you know, we were talking about the sort of toxic masculinity uh, mindset, uh, and I I think it plays a part in this because what's happening right now there's there's this hashtag hashtag speaking out, and many many people that are involved in the wrestling industry, both uh, large and small, uh, have been telling horrific stories of abuse implicating. A lot of folks, I mean, a lot of people that uh, I was a big fan of. I, I don't want to get into like specific allegations here just because there is so much stuff that I'm gonna, I might accidentally call somebody out for something that somebody yeah, else did. Yeah, and because did. it might actually do an injustice to all the other people that are struggling with this. But we're talking about like 75 yeah, to 100 wrestlers. Who knows how many uh, folks are still being silent about it because I, I do think, I mean, you know, they're... There are some folks out there that are like defending this and saying, well, you know, people are just doing this for attention. But like, that, I mean, that, I think that is always is, just an insane, like, that, that is, you look at like what yes, happened that to is always insane. Ford or fucking a hundred, a hundred percent. I absolutely, absolutely 100% agree with you. But I, I think even though I feel like that's always true. It's especially extra true when it comes to wrestling because there is such a backstage tradition of like blacklisting people Mm -hmm. that say the wrong thing, that you burn your bridge. I mean, if if you're a small time indie wrestler and you go out and you say something about like a big time promoter or something, that's not going to do you any favors. Yeah, that's not going to get you any positive attention. You're basically committing career suicide by doing that. I read so many books where we're not talking about sexuality. We're not talking about gender. We're just talking about people that have more power than the other person and we're still mm-hmm, talking about mm-hmm. so much abuse so much like hey step in line or you're done and that's before yeah. we encounter the reality of this moment which is so much about not just female wrestlers who have spoken out in no, storms no, yeah. but also just fans people who gave a shit yeah uh being a lot a lot of folks i mean uh, i saw I don't know if you guys saw what uh, Keith Lee had yeah. posted. Oh my God. Um, I mean, great talent, big, big fan of the guy. And, and he posted a, a very sad story that he basically got uh, uh, drugged and taken advantage of. Uh, and I think he's exactly the kind of guy because he, he's like a big, you know, he's like a 280-pound, big, strong, tough guy that people are yeah. going to look at him and go like, oh, you, you know. You want to think nothing that this like guy that would not happen. be a victim of those issues. Right, and and he absolutely and and so so are a lot of other people that look like him. You know that you wouldn't expect. 
Uh, so, I mean, I think it was very brave of him to speak out similar to, I mean, uh, Terry Crews, uh, you know, the actor had a, had a similar thing recently where he, and I mean, I, I applaud the, the bravery of everybody who is mm. uh, coming out to say these things, knowing that it, it really could seriously hurt their careers. Yeah, or not even their uh, careers. And in a way, like I mean, a lot of very, these, oh, ahead, there ahead, are a lot of wrestlers that are speaking out and I really do applaud that. Like, I agree with you that that's so yeah. important to speak out as someone with the platform, but there are also a lot of people that were just fucking teenagers when this shit happened to them and they are stepping out into the spotlight with nothing to gain except resentment and attack Mm -hmm. but they're saying like yeah having you know having somebody be mad at exactly without some fucking douchebag trying to dox you and all they're trying to say is like hey this guy came at me in a really intense and creepy way when i was underage People always go on this whole like, well, they're making it, but like, wh- why? What? What do you have to gain from lying in a situation like this? If you're, if you're a twenty-year-old worker who had some piece of shit booker tell you that they'll book you on a show if you have sex with them when you're fourteen, like what? What are you gaining out of that, right? Like, I just don't... It doesn't make any sense to me. Like, I, the people that are, like, defending this behavior and, and saying it's not true, I mean, it seems insane to me. It's beautiful to me that my Twitter is so free from that nonsense. Mm-hmm. That, like, the only thing I see is these complaints. I don't see the attacks. But, like, what an insane claim. It blows my mind that anyone would say, <laughs> yeah. like... Yeah, you're just going to ruin your life. You're just going to give people on the internet a chance to, like, dox you and attack you and find you personally uh, for no reason. Just just yeah. because you you want, quote, unquote, the attention of people that want to hurt you. To sum it up, it's just a lie of the patriarchy. Like, yeah. you know, it's it's just the, the 2020 version of, like, what was she wearing? It's nonsense. Nobody does it. Nobody yeah, yeah, does absolutely. it for the attention. Absolutely. Like, that's insane. I am glad that the movement has blown up large enough that that I, I I think and I you know I hope I'm right about this but I think that anybody who is going to you know be taking action against these people for speaking out now is is going to face some very well deserved scrutiny for it because you know when you go back to when people started making these posts if uh, if maybe it turns out to be five people and you're one of the five. I'm sure that the famously toxic and shitty wrestling industry would have found a way to sweep it under the rug mm-hmm. and then you would be blacklisted forever. And and that has happened before to people who have made claims uh, about certain wrestlers engaging in like scummy behavior with them. So I, I am glad that like the lid is finally being blown off of this. Uh, but I'm also I'm very disappointed and heartbroken, like just how far it goes and how many people are implicated. You know, how many folks I had a lot of respect for. All of these people work so hard and then some people use that as a justification to harm i i think that's a big part of it and and i do think that like that that alpha male mindset and you know i do wonder i think what i'm trying to say is that like there's nobody there saying like hey that's not cool you know they're all just doing all this horrible stuff and getting away with it and all the horrible stuff is like building on itself and they convince themselves that you know, the, the things on the less horrible side of the spectrum are, like, completely acceptable, and the things on the more horrible side, or I guess they think they earned it, I don't know, right? They think, like, I've worked so hard, so I deserve God only to, knows. you know, be able to take advantage you, of all you, these people. I mean, it's it's you know, gross. You've, you've seen a fuckload of it. You've seen it in Hollywood, you've seen it in the SBC, you've seen it in the Catholic Church. There's this ramp, anytime mm-hmm. you have groups of powerful people 
in essentially little fiefdoms they abuse they, they they are like really prone to abuse yeah and and the way wrestling is set up it, it absolutely uh it, it, it's the perfect environment for exactly that kind of shitty behavior yeah and it's uh it's frustrating because so often we try to deal with the specifics of these individual institutions when actually we need to take need to take even a further step back and look at how do we create the systems that inform both the Baptists and the Catholics and the conservative Christians and the wrestlers. Like these things are not actually disconnected. They're all connected to a perspective on masculinity that harms. Yeah. I I couldn't agree more. I think that that's right on. Uh, And I, I very sincerely hope that the momentum behind this movement and and the way it's being received by the majority of people, because I, I think if this would have come out in like the, late 80s early 90s we'd probably have a lot of people saying well boys will be boys and acting like it's not yeah, a yeah. big deal you know we would have had the well, no, actually um, that did happen vince was accused of rape in the 1980s and nobody gave a shit yeah. well and let's i mean th- that could be another show on its own of, of <laughs> no the it's amazing that we gave zach and, you know, one yeah. investigative <laughs> angle and he brought back something that is incredible but Very you're relevant. Zach, you, you are absolutely <laughs> right. I mean, what, a, a lot of scandals from back in those days were, were swept under the rug. And uh, I mean, I think we have a long way to go. But I, I mean, I am glad this is happening. And, and I hope that it, it leads to a, uh, a, a positive change. You know, I'm really disappointed in a, in a lot of people. Yeah. And uh, I, I mm. do hope that the industry evolves from this. Uh, and, and, you know, people make a decision of, hey, we're, you know, we're not going to support people that engage in these behaviors. You know, we're not going to like book people uh, that, that do this sort of thing. And if you're a young person trying to break into this business, you, you shouldn't be afraid to come out and, and talk about this thing. I think we're a long way from that being yeah. the case, but I, I hope that this builds us towards it's it. It's incredibly important that wrestling like a lot of society not take the route of joe biden and say that because so it's true. because so true. because oh it's better it really, than yeah, Vince really. man it must be acceptable mm. because it's better yeah. than trump it must be acceptable that like absolutely we are in this moment where we can just acknowledge that people including people that we cared about including people that we would maybe call leftist wrestlers including people that like we wanted to herald like these people failed us and because of that it is incredibly important that like we own that we take that on we say no we we are not we are not stands we're not even marks we're people that like acknowledge that these people failed us and only in doing that can we build wrestling into what we want it to be I, I couldn't put it better. I mean, I, I would encourage folks that are listening to, like, look up that hashtag. It's hashtag speaking out. Yeah, and absolutely. Read the stories from some of these folks and support them and, you know, make make your voices heard. Because I, I think the more, you know, the more the industry sees what a big deal this is, um, the more likely that we're going to get a response to it. I mean, I think that, that Joe Biden comparison is so apt and so... Uh, so true, and I, I mean, I want wrestling to actually be good Amen. Amen. Uh, you know, behind the scenes, and and uh, that's the only way that's uh, going to Spoken happen. Spoken as a you know, true evangelical, like... you want it to be better than it is. Like, <laughs> I, I, yeah, I mean, hey, maybe I should have uh, you know gone yeah. to that church. No, it, it, it is no. like <laughs> there is a moment, there is a moment where we can actually reform 
and that is so rare. And I, I don't think that what will come out of this moment is everything that we need, but I would love for it to be more than it currently is. Uh, I, I do think, you know, I, I think there'll definitely be opportunity for it to get better, but I, I do think that we are uh, in a situation where there's going to be some opportunity to instill some positive yeah. change and, you know, in, encourage people to support this movement. And I that. think there's a beautiful moment for leftist Twitter and leftist wrestling to own this moment and say that, like, hey, we don't have to support the people just because we thought they were our, mm-hmm. like, hero. Like, yeah. we, our yeah. movement is much bigger than any individual person. And I'm not just talking about Bernie supporting Biden. And I'm not just talking about any leftist <laughs> wrestler trying to own their shit. Like, uh-huh. we're in this moment where, like, hey, actually, our movement is much bigger than any individual. And, hey, if somebody's not fulfilling that role... Like, that's okay. It's not okay, but it's like, it doesn't hurt our movement to lose them. Yeah, we, we shouldn't be, you know, hitching our wagon to these people and defending them for doing indefensible things just because they're like, you Amen. know, on our team or whatever. And that is whatever. like a fundamentally fucking important thing for everybody. The Democrats still haven't learned that with Joe fucking Biden to bring it back to him. <laughs> yeah, ain't that like, the truth. My God. It's not a fucking work, you assholes. <laughs> just, fuck. <laughs> Yeah, talk, talk about some marks. God damn it. <laughs> Every time someone mentions cancel culture and they're suspicious of it, I'm always just like, I'm suspicious of it because it doesn't work. We need to be canceling people. Yeah, because we have this moment where people actually need to be taken out of the system and instead we're just going to write Twitter threads about it because it's separated from our actual reality, which is still just two rapists. Um, the moral of the story being I am incredibly inspired by so many women uh occasionally men mostly women who have stepped into the forefront and said like hey i was attacked i was abused i was mistreated these things are complicated and i'm still stepping into the forefront and saying like this is wrong fredo you have been such Uh. an enjoyable breath of fresh air on this podcast where can people find you when they want to just know what you're doing next? Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, folks, uh, look me up on Twitter. Uh, it's everyone's favorite small account. Uh, it's utwitly. That's U-T-W-I-T-I-L-Y. U-Twit. I love you. Uh, me uh, me, and uh, and my buddy uh, Arlen Hellison, who you can find uh, at Bad Person what a name. Club. Uh, we. Yeah, it is. It is, it is Fredo will go on your uh, podcast. We know because we cold called him. <laughs> Fredo will probably go on your podcast. It depends on what your podcast is. Fredo will probably go on your podcast. Just make sure that you're so, small uh, like us. <laughs> yeah, uh, I support the little guy, you know, as the king of little Amen. guys. Yeah, Fredo, Fredo turned down the pod johns for us. Exactly. I wanted, I wanted to say. Fredo, Fredo oh, yeah, I accepted go, I our bounty of five uh, heads of corn. <laughs> <laughs> so i mean yeah thanks so much for having me on guys it's been a lot of fun and yeah uh people that are fans of the show that don't follow me oh check me out and uh I'll keep you posted on whatever's coming Goddamn, next. please uh hey. and enjoy my shit posts about like what D D character class you would be or what i should eat for lunch See, i didn't day. even I'm, want to I'm comment really on that because it felt exploitative when you were already coming on our <laughs> podcast but i really want to know so i'm gonna I'm going to follow up on that thread. Fredo, thank you so much for being on this. Thank you for explaining wrestling to us. <laughs> Absolutely. Thanks so much, guys. It's been a blast. This has been Shitty Christians. <laughs> <laughs>